Simon is uh, uh, one of our church family here at Oasis, and uh, God's really moved in his life over the years, and we're excited to hear what God's going to speak to us through him tonight. I'm going to ask you for me, Mum, Janet Day. Just come and pray for you, mate. Is that... <laughs> Thank you. Before I pray for him, I was, I've been quite into the Tour de France this year. I don't know why, but um, I was watching them, and they've had to cycle up tremendous mountains, haven't they? Just the thought of how high these mountains are, then come down into the valleys. And I was thinking, you know, we are on the race of life, aren't we? We go up... I know, I'm not, I'm not. (laughs) But, you know, we go up the mountains, and we're on the mountain top with God, aren't we? Then we come into the valleys, and we think, where is God? But he's there as much as on the mountain tops. So, uh, so that's what I've got out of the Tour de France anyway. I'm going to pray for you, Simon. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you for Simon. We, we thank you for his life. We thank you for his gentleness. And we just thank him that as a husband and a father, he, he um, just turns to you at all times for guidance and for your love to pass on to his family. We pray that tonight he will just bring us such a blessing as he speaks your word, that, Lord, as he um, has prayed over and as he's looked at his message, uh, it will be one fit for each one of us, that as Simon speaks from the heart, we will just pick up what you have to say to us. So just bless him tonight, Lord. Bless us as we listen and we hear your message, because we ask it in your name. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Well, tonight, I thought I'd, I'd talk to you about... Um, oops, got to flick the switch, haven't I? Don't leave God alone, is what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. Um, it's been inspired by a book that I'm still currently reading at the moment, Don't Leave God Alone by Pastor Hank Kuhneman. And there's a few things that God's laid on my heart uh, about not leaving him alone in prayer and worship to see breakthrough in our lives and the world around us. I'd love to share these with you, and I hope that they will encourage you not to leave God alone. The key areas that I'd like to look at from Scripture tonight are intercession, so praying for others, God's blessing or God's best for our lives, Uh, gaining wisdom and understanding in all areas in our lives. To finish, I'd like to look at how this all looks practically in our lives. The first thing I'd like to talk about is God's house of prayer. In Luke 19, verses 45 to 46, it says, And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. The background here is that Jesus is going up to the temple courts at the time of the Passover, but he finds people selling livestock and exchanging money in the temple or God's house. Of all the things that he calls his house a church, he calls it a house of prayer. He didn't call it a house of evangelism or worship or teaching. All of these things are important, but Jesus seems to place emphasis on prayer. When God calls something by name, usually it's significant. He wants prayer to take centre stage, both corporately in the church 
and privately in our own lives. But it also says, but you have made it a den of robbers. And I believe that he's not just referring to the buying and selling that's going on. Jesus is often um, talking about spiritual matters. But more importantly, the other priorities that are stealing the place of prayer and fellowship with God. I believe that prayer and fellowship is a vitally important area that we should not leave God alone on. God wants our attention. He loves our attention. Um, And he wants us to pursue him in prayer. There's some great examples in the Bible where people, through their relationship with God, refuse to leave God alone, changing their destiny and the outcome or even the cause of a situation. So the first example I'd like to look at is where Moses intercedes for the people of Israel. So this is in Exodus 32, verses 7 to 14. The background here is that Moses has been away a long time on the mountain with God. The people become very impatient and ask Aaron to make them gods or idols that have been fashioned in the shape of a golden calf. So in Exodus 32, verses 7 to 14, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I have commanded them, and they have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. He said, Why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt and with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land that I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he threatened. So God was very angry as they'd worshipped a false god. They'd bowed down to it. It was the false god that they'd created. And he said, leave me alone. And he referred to them as these people effectively disowning them. Now, I don't think God wanted Moses to leave him alone. I think he's actually waiting to see what his response would be. You know, we often leave God alone because we think that he's angry with us. But in Christ, we're all friends of God. His anger was fully satisfied on the cross, and we can boldly approach him. God intended to wipe them all out, but Moses refuses to leave God alone. And he reminds him of his promises. Because of Moses' persistence, he actually changes God's mind. And he inflicts a lesser judgment on the people than he intended. There were still consequences to their sin. 3,000 died at the hands of the Levites, and later others were struck with a plague. But he didn't destroy them all. So looking at this example, it's important that we should not leave God alone um, and intercede for the needs of others and situations around us. Even if they were created by our wrong choices, we can still move God to change the outcome. So here Moses reminds God of his promise and appeals to his mercy. So the second example I'd like to look at is is where Jacob wrestles with God to get his blessing. 
And this is in Genesis 32, verses 22 to 30. The background here is that God tells Jacob to go back to his own country, but after deceiving his brother Esau out of his birthright, he fears that he's going to attack him. So he divides his people and his possessions, and he sends them ahead with gifts to find his favor. So in Genesis 32, verses 22 to 30, it says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So previously, Jacob had used deception to get what he wanted, but he couldn't deceive God. God made him fight for the blessing. He wrestled with God. Jacob would not let go of God until he blesses him. He finally acknowledges that the blessing must come from God. Jacob also stands on God's promise to make him prosper when he returns to his country. Earlier in Genesis 32, verse 9, Jacob says, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and relatives, and I will make you prosper. In the face-to-face encounter, God changes his name from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel, meaning God rules And one who strives with God. So God was transforming his nature from a life of deception from someone who was totally dependent on God. So here God acknowledges Jacob as his servant as well. It also marked him physically as a reminder of his encounter with God. Maybe putting out his hip out of joint represented not being able to stand in his own strength, but in God's. He was now dependent on God. So in this example, we can see how. It's important not to leave God alone. In the place of encounter, when we persevere with God and we stand on his promises, we will get the blessing or the best for our lives, and he will transform our lives and destiny. This is pretty much what Mike was talking about this morning, where we're allowing God to mold and shape us, to change our lives and our destiny. The third example I just want to talk about is is in Daniel, where Daniel seeks God for wisdom and understanding. So this is in Daniel 10, verses 1 to 5, and also verses 12 to 14. The background here is that Daniel is concerned about a vision he's he's had about God's people, the people of Israel. So in Daniel 10, verses 1 to 5, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision, At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing at the bank of the great river, the Tigris, 
I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. In verses 12 to 14, just keeping ahead slightly, then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days, Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me for help, to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So here Daniel prayed and fasted for three weeks, seeking God, to try and gain understanding of the vision that was given about his people. His answer was delayed by demonic forces at work, but when the angel comes, he was able to give Daniel understanding of the vision. So in this example, we can see how Daniel didn't leave God alone until he got the understanding about the vision. So we should also persevere in seeking God to gain understanding and wisdom in all things, in all areas of our lives. Sometimes this wisdom can help us change our perspective about how we pray. You know, God has perfect knowledge about all things. Maybe he might ask us to pray for somebody's salvation instead of their healing first. It could be other things. Sometimes it feels like nothing's happening when we pray, but stick with it. God is working behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. He hears our prayer from the first day that we seek him. Remember what it said here. It said, from the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. Next, I'd just like to look at what we do next. Just a few things I'd like to talk about from my experience and a few points I just want to talk about. The first thing I would say is don't leave God alone in prayer. Commit. Successful prayer in every circumstance starts with commitment. Jesus modeled commitment to prayer by regularly getting away from the crowds to spend time with the Father and pray. For example, in Mark 1, verses 35 to 37, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Sometimes you've just got to get away uh, and be alone, as Jacob was. Commitment to regular prayer is important, regardless of the circumstances or how we feel. It's risky to leave God alone. Don't wait until things go wrong, but commit to regular prayer. There was a friend of mine many years ago who had a hip resurface operation. The operation was successful, but he'd had some complications. He had some nerve damage, which was causing him pain in his feet, Um, and he'd had a lot of, he he was on painkillers for quite a while after. He recently decided to have his other hip resurface because he was having a lot of pain in that. And I really felt this time God laid on my heart to commit to regular prayer, so to pray for him before the operation, pray for him during the operation, and pray for him after. So the operation went ahead, and a week later I rang him up just to see how he was getting on. And uh, he said, yeah, he said the operation went well, Um, He said the first few days he was a bit up and down, his blood pressure was a bit up and down, he felt a bit rough. But after two days, he said he got out of bed, uh, he started to walk around, and he had no painkillers whatsoever. He bumped into the consultant in the corridor who was amazed that he was up so soon. Um, But yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And in fact, he evenly jokingly said on the phone, I don't think they've actually done the operation. (laughs) So just, I thought, wow, God, you're amazing. 
so that's incredible. And I continue to pray for him after. And he, you know, he's made an amazing recovery. And I think you know, God's really had his hand on him. And uh, he's going to return to work soon, which is great. The other thing I'd say is schedule. There's lots of distractions in life. Um, you know, we can lose much-needed time with God. You know, as being, being a, a parent, a father with, with two children, busy lives, it's, it's very hard to find time to pray and find, you know, spend time with God. There's a danger that we, we don't pray or we fight to maintain prayer time. But in Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. In the message, it says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me. Your high God above politics, above everything. So this is just what Jesus was doing. He was stepping away from the busyness, all the people pursuing him, uh, trying to get his attention. He was just stepping away. And that's really what we've got to do sometimes. I remember there was one day I was quite frustrated. I was just, life was just so, so, so busy. And I remember just saying to, to, to God and praying to the Holy Spirit, saying, you know, how, how do I find time? And the Holy Spirit just showed me a picture of a calendar and a diary and said, Simon, just, just schedule me in. Be intentional about it. It was, it was that simple. And I really feel God wants our attention and our time. The third thing is to persevere. I think it's especially important that we don't leave God alone in life's difficulties. You know, and where we have a desert experience where we feel that God's not there, you know, he still loves us, he's still for us, and he will not leave us or forsake us. That's his promise. These experiences, I believe, can develop character and perseverance. In Romans 5, verses 3 to 4, it says, But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. In my study Bible, when we were reading through the book of Ephesians about the armor of God, um, it says in there, it highlights how character and not brute force wins the battle, just as in the case of the Messiah, Christ-like character. So it's quite an amazing thing that that character leads to perseverance, and that's effectively putting on the armor of God. Um, So refuse to leave God alone and be persistent. The second thing I'd say is don't leave God alone in worship. Focus on him. So don't leave God alone in worship, particularly when life is difficult. When we worship God, we take the focus off ourselves and our problems. We worship him for who he is, his goodness, faithfulness, and we exalt him above the circumstances. There was one day in church where we were worshipping, and the Holy Spirit gave me this picture, and it was this really big complex equation or formula it's written on one of those chalkboards those long ones the kind that you see at universities or college it just covered every part of the board and as I continued to watch I just just seen these hands come up and rub every part of that formula out and they just wrote Jesus across the center of the board we can often get drawn into life's problems they can seem overwhelming and often you know we can magnify the problem the more we look at it the more we think about it and focus on it. But I really felt the Holy Spirit say, look at the solution and not the problem. Fix your eyes on me. I remember there was one morning I was struggling with something and the Holy Spirit directed me to Psalm 121. And the first few verses of that start with, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. 
Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. As we lift Jesus up in worship and praise, I believe we see breakthrough. In Acts 16, verses 25 to 26, in an atmosphere of praise and worship, we see how God delivered Paul and Silas from their imprisonment. You know, as we've lifted Jesus up in our nights of worship here, I don't think it's by chance that we've seen breakthrough in our plans to extend the building. I really don't. You know, we can look and focus at all the obstacles and and the planners and all of those things, but I think as we've lifted God up in worship, I think he's opened that door for us to extend the building. So, just a few closing words. We've talked about prayer, but it's important that we pray according to his will. It's important that we pray according to God's will by spending time reading the word of God so that we deepen our relationship with him, line up with his heart, draw closer to him and want what he wants. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we've asked of him. There's a great example in the film, Heaven is for Real. I don't know if anybody's seen it. It's based on a true story. In the film, a young boy, Colton, has to go some, undergo some emergency surgery for a ruptured appendix. And the church, his family, his friends, they all refuse to leave God alone in prayer. Now, he makes a recovery, um, and the surgeons and the nurses admit that it's a miracle. During the operation, Colton has an encounter with Jesus in heaven. Now, in later interviews, he recalls telling, that Jesus, he recalls telling Jesus that he wanted to stay. Heaven's obviously quite an amazing place. But Jesus tells him that he has to send him back in answer to people's prayer, which I think is amazing. The other thing is make the most of every opportunity. One of the scriptures from Ephesians which really spoke to me was about making the most of every opportunity. So in Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 16, it says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Refuse to leave God alone. Make the most of every opportunity to pray for people and situations around us and to interrupt the plans of the enemy. So to close, I'd just like to share a vision that God gave me. Again, it was in church as as Adrian was talking. And in the vision, God showed me a picture of a key opening a door to a room. And as the door was opened, God's glory and God's love just radiated out of that room. And it, it felt like it was a place, though, that had been forgotten or been neglected. But I felt also it was an invitation. I really felt God saying that as you spend time with me, My love and my grace will invade all areas of your life. That it couldn't be contained or hidden away. Now, I don't think this uh, this vision is not just for me. I think it's for the church. I think that picture of the key opening the the door to the secret place of encounter with God is the key to releasing blessing in our lives and seeing God move in the world around us. So I'd just like to, to finish in prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you long to spend time with us, Lord, that, Lord, it's, it's your heart, Lord, you know, that, um, and I just pray, Lord God, you know, that,
we can just find that time, Lord, you know, amongst our busyness, amongst our lives, Lord, that we can just step out of the busyness. We can step out of everything that's going on, Lord. Um, Lord, you know, you created time. And I just pray, Lord, you know, that you'd make a way where we could spend that time with you. Um, Lord, where we spend that time with you, Lord, that, you know, that you would speak to our hearts, that you'd transform us, you'd mold us and shape us, as we were saying this morning, Lord, you know, that and we'd know your heart, Lord, for situations and for, for things that are going on around us, Lord, you know, that we, Lord, would just be, you know, that we continue just to pursue you, Lord, yeah. not to give up, not to leave you alone, Lord, um, you know, until we see breakthrough, until we see blessing. And, uh, yeah, I just pray, Lord, we just continue to pursue you, Lord, and, and as we do, Lord, we just be blessed, and that blessing, Lord, would just spill over into our lives, into the world around us, Lord, Lord, that people would see you, Lord, that they would see your glory, that they'd see your love, your grace in everything, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's encourage Simon. Just a, a great challenge. Uh, yeah, come on. Just, I, I feel a timely reminder for us as a church, really, to be engaged in prayer and understand the, the power of the secret place as well. And, 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 and Simon made a statement quite early on in his message, and I don't know whether it was a throwaway thing or something that he'd really thought about as well, but he said, he said this, prayer changes destiny. Prayer changes de- destiny. And, and I love that. I love that, that God has equipped us with something powerful like prayer that can change destiny. And uh, one of my favorite verses is, is uh, James chapter 5, verse 17. It talks, it talks about Elijah, and it says, Elijah was just an ordinary man, just an ordinary bloke like me and you, or ordinary lady, uh, just an ordinary person. And then it says, and yet he prayed. And it said that God sent the rain on his prayer. And, and for us as a church, for you as individuals, I would encourage you not to see yourself as just an ordinary person, but a fully equipped person with the power of prayer. Uh, there's there's an a and yet for each of us to engage in prayer and see God move powerfully in our lives. Uh, just as we close our time, we're going to come and sing a final worship song. So can I invite you to stand to your feet if you can? And, and maybe, you know, Simon talked about creating that opportunity and schedule and commitment and perseverance in prayer. He talked about scheduling a time in our lives where we can really engage in prayer with the great powerful God of the universe and believe that as we persevere in prayer that he hears us and he'll move and he'll change destiny Simon's exactly right it's through the power of prayer and praise we believe that God has shifted um, planning officers hearts for us to be able to have a way to uh, make a way for the building to be developed back there it's a powerful thing it's a powerful thing so I'm just going to invite the uh, worship team to sing over us. And uh, for us to see this as an opportunity, as a scheduled time for us to engage with prayer. Now, whatever's on your heart, whether it's a person, a situation, a financial matter, area of healing, God can move in all these ways and situations as we engage our hearts with this and understand his will for our lives and the lives of others. And, and to know that there is an and yet as we step into prayer Simon said tonight this is our opportunity so Father I just pray that as we pray now that as we seize this moment make the most of this opportunity that is here right now Lord God as we look to you for whatever situations or people might be on our hearts 
Lord God, we just ask that you would move powerfully, that you would change destiny, that you would move in a generation. Lord, that you would shift blockages, remove obstacles, make a way for you to move powerfully in these times. Oh, in Jesus' name. Come on, let me just encourage you. Take these, take these moments now, just as the guys sing over us and with us and for us, just to uh, commit our prayers to, to God, because he's here and he hears. Oh, Jesus. Here I am once again I pour out my for I know that you every cry.